truly wonderful welcome. Thank you all for coming to meet us in this great centennial year, the year when all Canada looks back over 100 years of growth and solid achievement. We wish you all well, both now in your anniversary year and in the years to come. The Queen at Expo 67, Man in His World back then. It's amazing when you look through all the visits that she made to this country, how many pinnacle moments she was here for. Obviously, that being one of the big ones, Expo 67. Uh, she was at a state lunch in the Canadian Pavilion, uh, which was great. I mean, she's been part of the landscape of this country. She's been a part of our country for 70 years, a face familiar to us all. One, to be honest, we watched grow old. We watched her grow from young queen to, to mum queen, and well, to, you know, mum to grandmother, uh, to great-grandmother at this point. Uh, and in many ways, you know, sh she was forced to change with the times. If you look back over the years at some of the things she would and wouldn't do, um, you know, she became more uh, media-friendly, I think, over time, not necessarily in speaking directly to the media, which she never did, uh, but in terms of taking part in things like Jubilee celebrations, that great ad she did uh, with Paddington for the for the Platinum Jubilee, the one, the James Bond one for the Diamond Jubilee. Um, you know, she, she moved with the times a bit, but in many ways, as the world watched in, watched on, you know, she remained a very private person in a very public job. And with that scrutiny, you know, oftentimes, painful moments in her life, the death of her father, uh, the marriage breakups of three of her four kids, the death of her former daughter-in-law, of course, Diana, the Princess of Wales. You know, it was, it was, she was someone under a lot of scrutiny throughout a lifetime in the public eye, but also someone who managed to both change and sort of stay, stay, you know, say, a, stay a symbol of stability through all of it as well. And it's really interesting part about who she was is just how she was perceived by the rest of us and how she quietly moved with the times without ever being ahead of them. Uh, joining me now to talk about that is Sarika Bose. She's a lecturer of Victorian literature in the Department of English at the University of British Columbia and an expert on the royal family. Thank you so much for your time again tonight. Thank you very much. I guess just your initial reaction today when you heard and your memories of the Queen. Well, um, I think that because I had seen the news about her uh, welcoming the new Prime Minister to Balmoral, um, just a day or two ago, it felt like more of a shock to hear the news of her death because it felt as if she was working um, to the last minute. And so uh, that was a shock. Um, I was uh, in London for the Jubilee this, uh, earlier this year, and mm -hmm. I think that some of my memories are really of the effects that she had on people around because uh, this was a moment of, in fact, jubilation, and there were crowds everywhere, and there was celebration, I think, acknowledged in many places, from grocery stores to any kind of building to private homes, and when the actual jubilee days were on in London, people were thronging the, the streets, and there was a really positive atmosphere. When she would come out on the balcony when there were or when there were cancellations of her appearances, each was met with a great deal of um, sympathy for her, for um, a monarch, uh, a, a woman of 96 coming out to do her duty. 
And there was also great delight. And people, I think, felt that they somehow got a great treat or a gift when they saw her come out on the balcony, the cheers that you could hear. I think that really demonstrated how much the British public valued her when it came down to these kinds of events where great masses of people come together and they came together so many times over her reign, over her. So many celebrations in the country were really um, were were built around her. All the all the many jubilees, all of the weddings, all of the um, the christenings, the the other kinds of important um, events. She would open Commonwealth Games as here in Canada. She would be the person who was really being watched, even when uh, the event maybe seemed to be about something else or someone else. So I think my memories of the Queen are, um, there are some memories when I saw her here in Canada a few times, but um, I also think of my memories as being inevitably tied up with her effect on people. When I'm in a crowd of people, I look at people's faces. I look at their body language, and all I see is joy. It's really very powerful. Yeah, I was there for the Diamond Jubilee, and it was very much the same thing. I remember asking someone about that once, being Canadian, obviously, saying, well, you know, what's what's the occasion? Like, why not? What's the? I mean, that's a bit of a rhetorical question, but, you know, why is it such a big deal? And someone explained to me, like, you know, there is no July the 4th. In, mm-hmm. in England. There's no Canada Day in England, obviously. You know, this is their chance to celebrate uh, their nation. And what was so, what, what, what struck me so much is how much that celebration or a lot of that affection and celebration was was channeled through that one individual. And it wasn't the monarch, it was her. And that's what really struck me about it. Yes, I agree with you that there, I think people, uh, at least by the end of a reign, when um, a, a trust or uh, a feeling of dependency on the monarchy as an institution was fading, there was still a great deal of trust and uh, hope that people, I think, uh, invested in this individual. She changed, though, quietly over the years. But if you look back at some of the things, you know, she became a more public figure in some ways, or at least more willing to be in public, Um, not necessarily just for the tours and the appearances and the big events, but we saw her do some different stuff. But it was always, she always tread quietly into those, into new technology and so on. But she was on Twitter. I mean, she she wasn't the same. There was a great uh, image of her learning how to use Twitter or uh, Prince Philip as well. Um, You know, there's a lot of really she she was a remarkable person that way in the 70 years that how she was able to stay that symbol of of stability and yet quietly shift as as times changed i think that's very well put that's that's exactly i think the reason that she was able to resonate with many people and uh despite a great deal of criticism of the monarchy and in the 60s and 70s and 80s when the country was going through a lot of uh, economic crisis, social change. Um, she became quite a co- convenient target on on whom to direct many kinds of dissatisfactions. But I think after that, people began to really recognize that uh, there is a place and there is a need for somebody who is able to be a kind of stable force, but 
I think there was also, there began to be a recognition that indeed she was attempting as much as she could, being a person really from a much earlier century, um, attempting as much as she could to adapt to those needs. So as you say, um, trying to be more open to um, to talking with the public, sort of having lots of garden parties, more garden parties, more uh, engagement with members of the public, um, more recognition of the kinds of hard work, the kind of service that people who are not from the royal family were able to to give to their nation. And um, I also would say that from the beginning of her reign, when she, this is 1952, she and Prince Philip, and very much encouraged by Prince Philip, um, they went into the new second half of the century post-World War II with much hope. And I think one of the things they did was try to modernize uh, communication, um, really encouraged inventions. And so uh, even though it felt somewhat um, surprising, perhaps, to see her doing Twitter, to see her on Zoom having all these meetings, to see her um, jumping out of a helicopter with Daniel Craig, you know, doing all these things. Um, In fact, quietly, I think she's really been eager to stay current with current technology, um, try to stay as current as she can with um, social changes. So um, until her reign, for example, um, the aristocracy has had a long-standing social event, which was the Debs events, sets of events, mm-hmm. the London season. And um, that was something that she abolished because it was one of those ways in which inequalities in society were particularly highlighted. And and um, also kind of justified and enabled by the monarch. And I think that particular um, change was felt quite a lot in, in those early days of her reign. I want to thank all those in Britain and the Commonwealth who, through their loyalty and friendship, have given me strength and encouragement during these last 25 years. My thanks go also to the many thousands who have sent me messages of congratulations on my Silver Jubilee. All the way back to the Silver Jubilee there, Sarika Bose and I were talking about the Platinum Jubilee and the Diamond Jubilee. That goes way back to 1977 when the Queen was also here in Canada with Prince Philip. Uh, Just playing you some of those some of her speeches over the years that she came here, she was always very happy to be in this country. And you could tell by the way she spoke about it. I mean, she wasn't one to be effusive about things, but even in her in her tones and the way she spoke about uh, about this country, she was always, there was always a bit of warmth there, often. Um, Sarika, when you look at what happens now, I mean, it seems, incre- I mean, just in this period of a few years, both Philip is gone, uh, the Queen now. I mean, we're going to look at a complete change in who the face of the monarchy has become. I know that Charles obviously picked up a lot of uh, the Queen's royal duties over the past few years. There's been a much greater division of labor uh, than there had been even 10 years ago. Uh, But still, this is going to be a challenge for a monarchy that in some ways came to depend on the affection that everyone had for the one person in it. Yes, I think that um, King Charles III, as he is now called, has faced a lot of challenges, um, a lot of 
um, I think, negative images. And partly that is because of, um, I think, certainly the, the his relationship with his wife, the Princess of Wales, Princess Diana, um, and what happened in that relationship and the tragic death of uh, the Princess of Wales, all of this was um, very much came created this negative image of him. Um, and I think what's happened with him is that there has been um, a, a kind of focus on that relationship and all the mistakes that were made there. Um, there has been a lot of work that he has been doing all his life to prepare for this role. But certainly when he became a young man, he, um, for example, established the Princess Trust, which has been going for a long time. It supports young people um, and who are trying to get ahead in life, um, entrepreneurs and so on. He has been, as you know, for decades advocating for environmental sustainability, responsibility, organic food, food pr production, um, and a lot of those um, enterprises, a lot of those um, interventions into his own everyday life have, in fact, eventually influenced other people's in everyday life. And something I noticed this year when I went to Britain after five years is what a change in everyday habits in terms of environmental and food res responsibility. And um, I certainly know that for decades he was mocked for having these interests and um, really seen as an outlier. And, of course, now he is in tune with the times because these are uh, important concerns we all have and across the world. And I think the, the kind of quiet changes that he was able to make behind the scenes and really promoting organic farming, not just for himself, but for local farmers and promoting traditional types of farming methods and food and um, local food production and local consumption, all of these things that we now take for granted, at least here in British Columbia, those were changes that he was advocating for a long time. And so um, that kind of deep concern about the needs of everyday people perhaps have not been recognized. And I think the way forward is to make that kind of work that he's been doing for so long um, really more visible to people. Yeah. yeah, he'll have to be his own king. I think that's what's come up a lot today, that there is no point in trying to follow in the footsteps of someone whose footsteps you really can't follow in after 70 years on the throne. That's right. And I think that um, the Queen's concerns were quite different. If we think of when she was born, we, we still had a very close connection with Victorian ways of being a monarch. And that is what she witnessed in her grandfather and then her father, who was a little more modern. Um, but she really witnessed a kind of monarchy throughout Europe in her many encounters as a child that is now history and she was that last connection with history with a different way of thinking about the world but I think um, part of her legacy that will live on in King Charles in her grandchildren and the wider royal family is that ideal of service and I think this is something that King Charles has been wanting to do more of and um, for various reasons 
basically because he was not the monarch, he had not been able to engage in more of those activities. And I think the, uh, that ideal of service we can see in the many, many charities that are supported by the royal family, the kind of practical advice and work and engagement that so many members of the royal family have engaged in for many years. I think those types of um, services, as well as the example that sets, not just the Queen's own example, but the example of the other members of the royal family, I think that the, once they become a little more visible and recognized, that can help to strengthen this new monarchy. And, and certainly one would hope that uh, that in paying tribute to the Queen, that that will also mend some fences within the family as well. That would also, I think, go a long way uh, to improving people's view of the incoming King as well, or he's already King. Sarika Bowes, thank you so much for your time tonight. Thank you.